What's up, everyone? I hope you enjoy my conversation today with Ed Buxtel, founder of Clinical Blockchain, which is a startup looking for its place in helping patients know really how much they should be paying for their treatments. Ed is unapologetically passionate about the use of decentralized technology to improve data exchange and price transparency in healthcare. As you'll hear, he considers human privacy to be a very important component to solving the problems facing the healthcare industry and patient care. A couple announcements. If you're new to the healthcare blockchain space, you should really check out the show notes for a link to a Udemy course for non-technical healthcare professionals. Don't hesitate to sign up. There is real value in understanding blockchain's potential impact in healthcare. You can use my special discount promo code DOGUM2019 for 75% off the regular price of the course. And if you haven't already subscribed to Robert Miller's weekly newsletter, Beyond Blocks, you definitely should. It highlights the top blockchain healthcare stories every single week. And I appreciate Bert's involvement in the space and his activity in the Health Unchained Telegram community. A link to the newsletter is in the show notes. And finally, remember, the Health Unchained podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only. And we are not providing any sort of legal, financial, or medical advice. Please do your own research and due diligence before making any important decisions related to these matters. The opinions and statements made by guests on the show are their own. Hi, I'm your host, Ray Dogum, and welcome to Health Unchained. On this show, I'll be speaking with healthcare entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and executives who are using blockchain technologies to revolutionize healthcare. These innovators are building the distributed infrastructure and diverse communities required for a trusted, secure, and decentralized healthcare ecosystem. Enjoy the show. What is blockchain? What is blockchain? What is blockchain? The doctor will see you now. Welcome to Health Unchained. Today's guest is Ed Buxtel. Ed has served as a leader in multiple healthcare companies for over three decades. He started Buxtel and Halfpenny in 1986 which is an early tech company where I think the aim was to connect physicians and clinics together. Uh, uh, the, the initial aim was actually to create uh, one of the first electronic medical record. And only one of the only people out there talking about it or, or doing it was a person by the name of uh, Dr. Lawrence uh, Weed, uh, who was uh, kind of the uh, creator of some of the uh, aspects of an electronic medical record that is actually used today. Unfortunately, the, the man passed away actually this, this past year. The initial aim, we were, we were, uh, you know, modems were showing up. You know, the the Hayes modem back in the day was, uh, you know, the way we connected to BBSs and we made all kinds of interesting sounds. Uh, and there was, uh, you know, uh, most of the healthcare transactions that were occurring were uh, were ADT transma- uh, transactions, admissions, discharge, transfers. There was no real uh, look at, you know, the clinical aspects. And there was a committee that was started by the uh, by ASTM. It was called the ASTM 1238 committee because some of these uh, laboratories at the time, uh, well, LabCorp, what's now Quest, which used to be MetPath and SmithKline, as well as uh, uh, you know others, they wanted the, the ability to communicate information to these uh, computers that were starting to pop up in doctors' offices. So. Uh, the initial focus was creating a, uh, a record that had the ability to communicate with other uh, systems that 
would allow physicians to create longitudinal records, cumulative reports, things of that nature. And, uh, and, and literally, I, uh, we uh, started out with one of the uh, first uh, uh, systems that communicated with uh, outside organizations, uh, you know, such as the clinical laboratories and things of that nature. I've actually got some interesting uh, uh, images, which, uh, uh, you know, of, of what those uh, diagrams or what those brochures look like. I mean, the platforms are different, but, you know, we're still looking at laboratory results. We're looking at radiology results. We're looking at, uh, you know, the same information because how people are diagnosed today hasn't changed uh, that much. It's just the platforms and the technology has changed a little bit. So you're also involved with some uh, some WebMD mergers or acquisitions, and you're also oh, like it, CEO yeah. of... Um, I was with, uh, with a company, uh, recruited to a company called, uh, at the time it was called Care Insight, and uh, there was a reverse merger that occurred uh, we, we acquired a company, which was medical manager, which was the, at the time, the largest, uh, medical billing product in the, uh, uh, in the U S for, uh, physician practices. And that was a, a billion dollar or so merger. Uh, when was and, this? excuse me, when was that? When was the, uh, this, that's right around, uh, I guess, uh, 99, 2000, somewhere in that time frame. Uh, you know, just before the internet bubble exploded, but we ended up uh, merging with uh, WebMD, what was then WebMD, and uh, uh, basically, it, uh, it, it was a it, uh, the, the idea was to uh, tie together the claims piece, which at the time was dominated by you know older clear, clearing houses, uh, you know that would uh, would would take the claims, uh, you know, obviously from physician offices. There was a company uh, back in the day called NEIC, which was in uh, uh, North Jersey that's dominated the claims industry. There was another uh, group down in uh, Tennessee that uh, was merged in. So the thought process was to have the claims and then bring in the clinical laboratory piece, you know, which is is highly automated, uh, uh, runs by runs on uh, on many standards, although the lexicons, uh, uh, the lexicon that's that's used, and the, some of the uh, some of the coding changes, just by the nature of the business, uh, you uh, uh, yeah, you do have a very formatted file which uh, complied with the uh, ASTM twelve thirty eight uh, standard at the time, which was eventually merged into uh, HL seven. But at WebMD, there were uh, uh, what we were trying to do. We were trying to merge uh, the different groups, the claims. The lab, and of course, the other piece, uh, you know, where some of these folks at WebMD came from, they actually made their money previously by selling uh, Medco, which was a, um, a pharmacy uh, benefit manager, to Merck in a five point five billion dollar transaction, and then they started Care Insight. We happen to be uh, Care Insight when we did an IPO uh, prior to WebMD, we had like six hundred million dollars in the bank already, and uh, you know, it was kind of like with the heyday with of the internet. Uh, and the the idea that was going on 20 years ago, right, as we speak, is the same concepts and ideas that we're trying to tackle right now, which, uh, you know, I just want to go, you know, uh, Homer Simpson sometimes saying this is really crazy. That was so, quite, yeah, that was quite the history lesson uh, in the healthcare space. I think that's uh, really interesting. You seems like you've done so many things in kind of like a variety of spaces here. Uh, you're also well, CEO. I, I, was, I, re, heck, I remember going to going to hymns when there was like 1,200 people there, and we were like, "Wow, there's way too many people here. This is crazy." You know, uh, it was yeah. uh, just a very uh, yeah. There, there there were some very early pioneers that were 
uh, you know, came up with some interesting ideas on representations of data. You know, uh, Judy Faulkner was running around in, Pen in Pennsylvania trying to get the staff model HMO up and running, you know, and, you know. Right. And she's now the, she's now the, you know, she founded Epic. She founded Epic. And, you know, right. her initial focus was uh, the staff model HMOs. And obviously, you know, she, uh, you know, really, uh, really uh, found an interesting client uh, to, to launch her, uh, her company in, uh, in Kaiser. But yeah, she was running around. I remember, uh, uh, you know, Neil Did you know Neil her Patterson. personally? Did you, did you uh, know her? Did you also know Judy? Like, were you? I, I met her a couple times. Uh, you know, it, it's, uh, uh, I, I wouldn't say, I mean, frankly, we, I was trying to work with uh, more uh, as, as a, I was going after the tougher problem, which was not necessarily the staff model connections, uh, which were pretty much very well contained because you could dictate exactly which laboratory you're going to work with, what the formats were for the physicians to communicate with one another. Um, and, and what was uh, the more of a, a tougher uh, group to deal with was right, frankly, right in my backyard. It was a company called U.S. Healthcare, which end, which is in Bluebell, Pennsylvania, about ten miles from where I'm at right now uh, here in Fishtown, but uh, just outside of part of Philadelphia. But uh, they were more of a, a independent uh, model of an HMO where the connections were with uh, groups of physicians, but you really could, didn't own the physicians. You couldn't control their uh, behavior or which groups they would work with or which types of uh, uh, mechanisms, uh, whether uh, computer or uh, or even determining what what type of uh, requests would be sent and how, how referrals would be sent uh, across fax machines. Um, the U.S. healthcare model, which was acquired, as I said, by Aetna, uh, is is a much more a situation where you know physicians are much more independent than in the staff model uh, approach that um, that uh, Faulkner and uh, and her company obviously Epic was you know focused on automating. So it's uh, it, it became my because of uh, the connections and the meetings with uh, the folks uh, at, at U.S. Healthcare, I kind of had a different uh, take on uh, how we should connect uh, you know doctors. Uh, patients, which was actually even a thought at the time, but it was it's not not quite where it is now, as well as, uh, you know, clinical laboratory and pharmacy. You're also CEO of multiple health and wellness companies. You're CEO of a company called Vitamin Spice. Um, so yes. you're, you're heavily involved and you've done a lot of things. And, um, and now right now our audience is like, wow, this, this guy's done so much. But uh, do you have any specific points in your background that you'd like to share aside from what we just shared with the audience before we get started? I think, I mean, some of the things, uh, you know, like I said, we're, uh, I, I, I like, I like what the who said back in the day with her song, you know, meet the new boss, same as the old boss. We are dealing with, uh, you know, a, a learning experience that I had was really participating on that ASTM 1238 uh, committee. And we're trying to create standards amongst the, uh, uh, groups that are frankly, they're working towards a, a single goal, but at the same time, they're competitors. So we had uh, hospitals that were competitors in the same room with laboratories that were competitors as well. And trying to forge a consensus uh, is, is really, really hard. But it was, you know, at the time when we were uh, creating this standard, I remember Clem McDonald, who was, uh, you know, who's you know, up there as part in my eyes as probably one of the uh, leaders in um, uh, in healthcare informatics. Clem, Clem McDonald would, I, I actually uh, thought that we would only be sitting here looking at 
maybe five years that uh, that a group like HL7 would need to be in existence because everyone was going to adopt their standards. And, you know, that was like that was a very thoughtful approach and, and belief. You know, we didn't realize that a lot of these information system companies uh, were going to create custom programming of interfaces as a huge uh, revenue generator, which would just create the mess that we're in right now as far as interoperability and uh, ability to uh, grab information, uh, you know, for the benefit of physicians treating their patients and obviously, uh, most importantly, for getting uh, getting patients their own data, which uh, is, is critical. Is big problem, right. Um, okay. And you also, you know, more recently, and the reason why I invited you on the show or how I found you is you started a company called Clinical Blockchain. And I met with you uh, the first time it was a distributed health conference, actually. Yeah. So we met there in, in Nashville, Tennessee last year. And I love Nashville. Yeah. Not as much as Philadelphia, city. but yeah, I love Nashville. <laughs> Some great food, though. Um, so can you tell me a little bit about clinical blockchain, like high level? Like sure. describe the organization uh, in a few sentences. It started out at about uh, started out three years ago, and you know I came to blockchain uh, as a you know pretty much as a contrarian. Uh, I, there's a bunch of people that frankly blocked me on Twitter because I guess I was asking too many questions. Like, really, we're, we're going to create an electronic medical record out of uh, and and use utilize blockchain? Why do you think that's a good idea? And you know I think I would you know be grumpy and very poor if I you know took any type of a attack uh, like that. Uh, today. So, yeah, I came in with a contrarian view, but then then kind of a light bulb went off because the anonymity piece uh, or what's what's uh, they discuss in uh, blockchain. One of the functions is the uh, the zero knowledge proof. And as 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 I thought more about how that could be implemented, it became very, very clear that, you know, there was some very, very uh, specific areas about uh, about the design of a blockchain that would uh, would help in healthcare. Um, and, you know, so what I did was I, I met with people, uh, just an awesome organization that uh, encourage, uh, you know, folks to get involved with is the IEEE. Met with folks there uh, at one of the, at a conference in D.C. and uh, back in, in 2017. And we had some discussions, you know, that were very, uh, very specific about, you know, how do we solve certain problems? And, you know, one of the issues I was talking about, frankly, and, you know, I don't know if you've you, you uh, Ray, if you own any Ether or Bitcoin or anything of that nature. But if you go through the process and, of buying a cryptocurrency, it's just a, such a pain in the ass to do. And I was thinking to myself, how how's my mother or my grandmother, you know, or someone else's uh, family members, how are they going to go through not just not a two step or a single sign in process, but a multi step, multi you know platform process to go ahead and log into uh, uh, create your record and then create an, potentially an identity on the blockchain. But who wants to go through all that bullshit? And it, it was at the time, you know, and, and we, you know, there's certainly some uh, uh, today there's uh, avenues uh, uh, and pathways to, you know, solve this problem. But at the time, people weren't really giving that much of a thought. Um, you know, so, you know, I, I, I think what, what ended up happening is we, uh, there were some like-minded folks that uh, I met with that were, you know, thinking about healthcare, but not thinking about, okay, here, this is how it works in clinical trials, or this is how, you know, it can help, uh, uh, God forbid, an electronic medical record or, or any of these uh, other specific areas. And, you know, we found that, you know, there were some fundamental tool sets and aspects that had to be addressed before we could even begin talking about solving uh, 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 a problem in healthcare utilizing this new blockchain technology. 
So uh, I, I, I make a long story short, I, I spent a whole lot of time traveling the United States, went from, uh, you know, from Boston to Silicon Valley and, you know, and, and up and down to, uh, you know, meeting with people, talking with folks, bouncing ideas about what are the on ramps and what makes sense for, for utilizing this new technology and, you know, having kind of what I call, you know, the FedEx moment which uh, is what, what made everyone realize that, hey, the internet actually is uh, something cool. I, I, know, I know you're a little bit younger, but you know, back in the day, it was like sometime in 95, 96, FedEx was the first company to release tracking on their website. So you know, I, I, there were literally millions of people around the world that would refresh their browser just to see if their freaking package left Portland to go to another location. So, and I think so, blockchain is still looking for that moment right now. And I think we've come up with a couple of um, use cases that frankly make sense. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're still looking for that moment. And I agree with you. It's not easy to purchase crypto. You know, back in the day, you'd have to send money via like Western Union or something to some random person. And, and it might, exactly. And it might take, it might take like, seven days well, to confirm you god forbid you right. want to put in a diagnosis or you know what patient's gonna wait for that it's it's just not a uh it, it it's not a thing and you know sure. we just got to make it a heck of a lot easier for folks and i think the you know uh and, and you know what what clinical blockchain is focusing on is really going after those niche markets that you know at one level or another are uh silos that are not not necessarily have been uh paid attention to yet so what problems do your prospects, customers, clients, what problems do they have that your business is, is trying to solve? That's, that's, I, I would say it's a, that's a broad, uh, you know, I mean, it, there, there's a, a broad spectrum. I mean, there's, there's, I've, we've had folks approach us that frankly don't even know, they want to do something with blockchain and they don't know what uh, they want to do. Frankly, Why do they want to do it? What's their yeah, reason? I guess because it's a buzzword or something. That's going to be a customer I don't want to deal with because, mm -hmm. you know, I, I because they really don't know. And I think, I, you know, I'd rather just say, look, maybe you need to do some more homework, uh, you know, go to some conferences, talk with people, because if you don't know uh, as a customer what you're going to do, you know, frankly, uh, you know, how am I going to go ahead and really help you? And, you know, you have to balance that mentality with the, the, a situation where sometimes, you know what, you really do have to tell uh, a, a business or help a business out and let them know that, you know, that they need to change their ways. And, uh, you know, one of the quotes that I always liked was um, uh, what Henry Ford said. People were saying, you know, uh, you got to always ask the customer, you got to, and the customer's always right. But uh, Henry Ford kind of replied saying, uh, you know, if I asked my customers what they wanted, they'd say they wanted faster horses that could uh, run longer, you know? And, you know, so sometimes you really do have to go ahead and, you know, take a chance with a group that wants to break some ground. And we think we found uh, a couple of groups that, you know, uh, makes sense. And we're building out some very interesting uh, uh, applications for them that are going to add more transparency than, uh, than frankly, any, what, what anyone else is doing in healthcare uh, uh, at, to this point in time. Healthcare is tough. Most people yeah, do not no want to innovate. They do not want to innovate. They don't want to be innovators. What they want to do is be a follower because they are waiting and expecting other people to make those failures, so they don't have to worry about it. And, and just be a well, fast I'm, I'm going to tell you flat out, I agree. But and and it's anyone that fails in healthcare, chances are they're going to succeed in finance uh, industry or uh, you know or communications or some other niche because failing in healthcare. 
uh, really is, um, I mean, heck, there's, I think people looked at all the different attempts that Silicon Valley has tried to make, uh, you know, with healthcare startups and, you know, that, and how many have failed gloriously, you know, without even looking at, uh, you know, the debacle with Theranos. All right, but so let's get a little bit more insight into what the company actually does. So, sure. or um, at least what you're planning to do, or what your current standing is with the industry. So, how many? How big is your team? Uh, we've got we've got eight people uh, working on team five core, and then you know three additional. Uh, and we have, we have uh, folks uh, here in the U.S. Uh, and in Philly, as well as uh, you know offshore. And what are the goals like for 2019? What are your main objectives for accomplishing? We have a we have an application that we're building out right now, which is uh, very interesting. It's it's focused on the, uh, uh, the the situation we have with high deductible health plans and patients receiving uh, outrageously high uh, out of network bills or even in network bills that may be you know higher than they should be, and uh, helping those patients uh, by just merely taking a picture of their bill. Uh, uh, helping those patients save money. So we've we've connected with an existing company uh, and basically, uh, you know, uh, set up a situation where we're merging together. The company has uh, about one and a half million dollars in revenue currently, and they have saved clients about a hundred million dollars over the last five years. And they have the back end service that. Um, th- that they they act as an advocate for patients to be that in between group inside uh, between the patient and the doctor when a bill hits the patient. So you got a patient they may love their doctor, but all of a sudden you know there's a five thousand dollar bill and the patient only has a couple thousand in the account uh, in their account. That you know that puts stress on the patient, financial stress, also stress from an, an aspect that heck. They may lose. They got a doctor that they that they may really love, and they that relationship is going to be soured because of a financial situation. So, so what we're doing is we're taking, uh, you know, the patient can take a picture of uh, that uh, that bill uh, with their cell with their cell phone, and we go. What we're doing is we're logging uh, that transaction on a blockchain to say there's a uh, in, in an obviously in an anonymous fashion or I should say logging referencing it uh, in an anonymous fashion and we'll identify okay there was a bill for five thousand dollars so that begins a process that combines uh, uh, certain aspects then you know uh, very simplistic algorithms now and we hope to build them up with uh, some additional me- machine learning functionality that uh, identifies okay you got an MRI you're getting billed, for lack of a better uh, example, $5,000 for that MRI. You really should only pay, uh, what, $1,000 here in Philadelphia because of, you know, uh, the the usual and customary fees and other types of uh, 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 tracking of the inf- uh, information and costs and charges in, in an area, um, as well as, you know, what, frankly, patients shouldn't be charged $5,000 for an MRI, and it, and it happens way too often. So we uh, uh, once that information is collected, we uh, pass it to folks that have been doing this for uh, for a number of years that help negotiate that and become, as I said, an advocate for the patient to save money. So this once is after the, the fact. This is after the procedure. This is after done. the fact. We're working on a prospective model, but we got to do one thing uh, uh, really how well. How successful have you been so far huh? in helping? How successful have you been in decreasing the expected? payout 
Awesome question. About 65 to 70 percent of the time, the uh, uh, the cost is uh, has been decreased from anywhere from 25 percent to 90 percent. So the savings is pretty significant. significant. You know, doctors' offices. If you talk to the right people, you know they're they realize. Look, if I, this might be my last chance to get money for, uh, from this patient, I don't want to go ahead and you know put them. So it's kind of like a, a collections. It's kind of like yeah. collections. Yeah, it goes off the collection, and you know, and John Oliver buys the debt. I don't, you know. Well, uh, what I'm saying is like what you're serving as kind of. It's kind of like a collections agency a little bit. But it's but, it's you know it's kind of a before type of situation you know because the collection agency that's a very kind of antagonistic uh, a little sure. bit more aggressive situation let's let's go ahead and say look here's the situation the patients in they want to work with you uh, uh, you know with the doctor's office or the hospital. Um, before it goes to collection, it hurts their credit rating, you know, causes other other yeah. problems. Let's go ahead and see if we can make this relationship a little bit better and work between the two. That's pretty cool. Uh, do you know like what kind of volume you've had so far? Well, I, I know we've saved over $100 million over the last five years. We, we're rolling the product out right now. We've got... Uh, uh, and this is... Uh, so you said, you said $100 million over the last five years, but this wasn't all on the... Not this was not blockchain. on a blockchain. This right. is this, was taking, pre, this is the company that you're merging with. Correct. And we're we're wrapping it around an existing business. And you What's know What's the name it, of that company? Uh, I don't want to release that just yet, but it'll be it's gonna okay. be out very shortly. There are other people in the space doing exactly what you're trying to do. I think. Yep. What sets you apart? Why are you different from them? Well, I, actually, one of the one of the pieces uh, there are other people in the space, but nobody is is recording any of this type of information on a blockchain or uh, create has set up a mechanism to it. I mean, there's a company called MultiPlan that's probably one of the largest uh, groups out there uh, that does claims repricing things of that nature. You know, it's a very very significant business. Um, the transparency just isn't there. Now, think about, and I'll give you another uh, very specific area where we go above and beyond. When you when the claim when a claim is adjudicated or it's repriced and you have the back and forth interaction and the type of information that's being that's being collected uh i think i, I think uh, uh, what what people what people don't realize none of that information goes back to the patient you know it's all kind of like in a black box in a back room where they everybody the people decide either because of you know looking at look up tables on uh, on various types of uh uh uh, you know, algorithms they're set or, you know, uh, going through a, a, a repricing of a in, of an individual claim, you know, that's all it, it's it is. It's truly a back office type of operation. The patient very rarely gets any of that information. Think about all the information that's gathered in that process. Um, you've got ICD uh, codes, you've got CPT, you've got uh, cost information. You may get additional information as well. What we're doing and, and, our, and our, our tactic here uh, or strategy is we're going ahead and saying, look, I'm not going to interfere with your existing EMR. I'm not going to worry about, you know, today what's going on at the Walgreens or CVS portal. I'm giving I'm creating an entirely new feed of data that nobody's ever really tapped into. And, I, you know, and, you know, one of the things you always have to do, you have to check, uh, you know, the bubble. Uh, that's out there and make sure you're not in a bubble. And I, I ended up talking in Plymouth meeting, one of the uh, largest companies uh, th that works with data is a company called IQVIA, which was the merger between, uh, uh, you know, Quintiles and IMS uh, America. And I talked with some of their, uh, their folks that know the data sets that they use. They said, you know what? We never even knew that data set existed. 
So uh, you have a situation right now where we have uh, groups of folks that are uh, you know, dealing with high deductible health plans that are only getting higher and more prevalent. And more and more people are facing the issue of trying to deal with these surprise medical bills. I mean, heck, it was at the White House two weeks ago talking about we've got to deal with this. And, you know, there's finally going to be some legislation. You know, who knows what that's going to look like. But, you know, it's taken that long to bubble up. And the uh, uh, this data has to go somewhere. And the place it has to go, frankly, ultimately, is to the patient at, at all times if they want it. And, you know, in some cases they may not want it, but there's, you know, going to be, uh, you know, folks that, that probably do want to use it. And this could be, uh, we look at a, a situation. And if you think about blockchain, where people talk about, you know, creating trust, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not big on the creation of trust idea. I think I've said before, I think the transparency is, is critical, but the, uh, the piece that we're really uh, looking at here is, you know, if I'm a company and I just saved an individual patient $4,000, okay, on a medical bill and, and help preserve the relationship with their doctor, I, I think I've got a better chance of establishing a trust relationship with that patient than someone just coming up and saying, hey, I got this new technology, guys, and I want you to go ahead and use it because it's blockchain and that means you're going to trust it. If I actually prove my worth to the patient first, then maybe just maybe they'll be willing to say, go ahead and say, yeah, maybe I want to go ahead and hear something about a clinical trial in my area or, you know, yeah, I'd like to share some of my information with a uh, an advocacy group for uh, a particular uh, uh, a particular uh, rare disease condition. Welcome to the Health Unchained News Corner. Facebook has finally announced their attempt to start a new cryptocurrency called Libra. Libra is rather impressive, with dozens of big-time companies, including Visa, MasterCard, PayPal, Uber, Lyft, Andreessen Horowitz, eBay, and Spotify as founding members. The plan is for developers to use a simpler new smart contracting language called Move. Facebook's motivation is to allow the billions who do not have access to a bank to access a financial system. Many speculate that Facebook will not offer the same censorship resistance and privacy attributes as do other cryptocurrencies in the market. Access to healthcare requires better methods of payments to providers. We all know that. Do you think Libra will be the killer cryptocurrency app or use case that will drive the industry forward? I'm not sure yet. I don't think the existing major cryptos will be going anywhere anytime soon. But Libra may bring the idea of decentralization and a sovereign currency to the mass populations around the world very quickly. And now back to the show with Ed Buxtel from Clinical Blockchain. You talk about trust versus transparency. Uh, I think that if you have transparency, it leads to better trust in general. I agree, but but it doesn't mean ultimate trust. And you know, I think about, I think I've you know, thought about this a lot. And you know, frankly, you know, if Bitcoin and early Bitcoin, uh, you know, the, the 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 I'm talking about the gun runners and the people that you know were drug dealers. If they didn't deliver product, there would not be a lot of trust in Bitcoin. You know, 
I mean, as far as business models, I'm, I'm, you know, which is a step below kind of the, you know, the ledger and, and yeah, I see you have this money and you're not going to double spend, et cetera. But the, the fact that these, you know, thieves, gun runners, uh, sex, whatever, uh, human traffickers, uh, you know, the fact that they were honoring their agreements, you know, helped uh, uh, establish that trust relationship. I, I think I think that you do build trust. But you know what? If you still have a business that sucks, uh, it doesn't matter the technology or the architecture that you're uh, building it upon. Uh, you know, the, uh, it will it will affect uh, the perception that individuals have. And I think, you know, the ultimate relationship has to be uh, built and executed between um, uh, companies and uh, and the patients and the, and the customers that they serve. Right. It brings a new context into regulation and who should be judging people or what morality really means in this world where censorship is not possible. It, uh, I put this way, it, it, there are so many, I mean, the, 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 era, the piece that I think is, and I, I, I get concerned about, um, and, and this, I, I might argue against myself. I had a philosophy minor, so I can argue against myself all day long. Uh, but the, uh, the situation that, uh, that that I think is showing up more and more today, you know, they talk about these deep fakes. You know, people are yes. going to be fake. There's all kinds of uh, things that can be faked, whether it's videos um, for the per- purpose of uh, political consumption or people can be faking medical records. There's going to be a lot of, uh, uh, you know, and selling it and then selling the records as truth. Because, you know, I, what? I've, been, I've been saying for the last five it, or ten years that you know, I know my records are in Romania. This is a really somewhere. good point. I think this is an interesting point that you just brought up. Um, medical records are sold for a lot of money. Uh, you know, you can have a person with a lot of illnesses and a history, medical history. Can, it could go up to $1,000 per record. Uh, depending on who you're selling it to and how rare the condition is. But if you think about the future, if people are just making up these records and selling it, how who is going to know the difference? How are you going to tell? You're going to have to trust the organizations. You're going to have to trust. Or the, at, yeah. And even the, 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 the situation, and I think another area, it hasn't been hit yet. And, you know, frankly, we, you know, like I said, we need to focus on what we do best. But, you know, whether it's whether it's a medical record or even if it's the reputation of a doctor, uh, coming from Yelp or ZocDoc or HealthGrades, etc. You know those types of things. We're, we're, I talk with a number of doctors, and they're sitting there saying, "You know, I got, I just got all these bad reviews. I don't even know who these people are." Turns out, the, who they, who these uh, patients were, they were, they had called into the office, asked to get, you know, uh, Percocets or Oxys or whatever the case yeah. may be, and then the, the office said, "You know, we're not going to go ahead and give that to you." And next thing you know, the uh, you know that office gets flamed on uh, on one of the reputation uh, management uh, uh, systems that are out there, or uh, or referrals, uh, physician referral reference sites, and they just get crushed. You know, there there's got to be something more of a gold medal type of standard that maybe we're using a blockchain, we're me- using geolocation technology, and we can say, yeah, you know what, we do know that this person checked in or was at that particular doctor's office in this time frame, and that. Rep, that uh, review uh, should be more valid. So there's a lot of different areas where you know I think we're going to see blockchain uh, showing up, which uh, you know frankly we haven't uh, uh, haven't seen it uh, put in the day because you know people are trying to go after these you know shiny areas like you know 
and and valid shiny and valid like supply chain or uh, uh, they're trying to uh, go after uh, you know like I said the electronic medical record component or going after a clinical trials aspect you know which are those big you know shiny points of light there's just so many other on ramps that may make more sense as a niche uh, you know to go after and I've always been very fond of you know saying the riches are in the niches and I think you know. In some cases, we got to look for those, uh, uh, you know, diamonds in the rough and see how we can go ahead and make it a little bit better. And maybe utilizing something like a uh, blockchain makes perfect sense. It's very interesting. Uh, a lot there. <laughs> a lot of time. Yeah, I, I, I've been told I've been told that, you know, uh, talking to me sometimes like drinking water from a fire hose. But that's right. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into uh, like what you're planning and how you're planning to structure or architect clinical blockchain. Yep. What kind of protocols are you using? Well, we uh, the 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 uh, we're utilizing uh, the EOS uh, uh, network uh, initially, and and one of the things that we really uh, you know in making that uh, decision, uh, you know, we wanted to know that we didn't we could didn't have to be locked into EOS, uh, so we immediately looked for uh, a group or or to see if there were protocols to create interoperability right off the bat. And so what we did was we, um, you know, we identified that there was a way to connect EOS uh, to uh, to Ethereum and, and, and have interoperability through atomic swaps um, uh, utilizing a protocol called Shios. So for, for us, uh, it became uh, very apparent that, you know what? You know, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, interest in Ethereum, but you know there's issues issues with Ethereum, especially as they go through their upgrade uh, to uh, you know from uh, proof of work to a proof of stake type of model, and you know and we really wanted to have some uh, you know some uh, ability to know we're going to have some faster transactions. So we decided to go uh, and look at technologies that, uh, frankly, were connected with EOS. Uh, while still having an eye on uh, uh, on the potential to hook up with uh, Ethereum as well. EOS has a they're utilizing delegated stake of uh, yes, yes, stake, right. Um, just for the audience to know, and so in that case, you know, we talked about so many different potential use cases in healthcare for uh, you know using blockchain. You talked about you know clinical trials, um, supply chain, also provider credentialing is a big one in my opinion, and even oh, that's absolutely. Ownership I, of patient I, I, data. I think, I, I think the uh, uh, the connection between multi-plan, United Health Group, Optum, uh, Synaptic and, Health uh, Alliance. I think it's yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That, that's that's yeah. That gets the Synaptic. Yeah, that's a. I think that's a dynamite, dynamite uh, uh, place to look at. And in fact, you know, I, I would say if if we're able to even see uh, and we want to verify, you know, anyone, you know, and I certainly would like to go ahead and and do this at some point in time. Connect our product in, and we do a lookup. We can look up against providers that are identified by the Synaptic Health Alliance. I think, you know, that's yet to be done, but I think that's uh, uh, that uh, uh, project and process has legs. Right, and I think the important part about that is they're collaborating together. There's multiple organizations collaborating, and you can't really have a blockchain without multiple nodes or communities or organizations working together. That's the whole point of this thing. And so my question to you is for clinical blockchain, what is your proposed node structure who's going to be participating in the network I, I, there, there's a lot there's a lot of thoughts on that I think you know the the primary issue that we want to do is we want to make uh, our uh, our transactions available anonymously 
uh, as a uh, uh, as a function of doing business. So if 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 I say you know we saved you know ten million dollars for uh, patients this week, you could go ahead and and view that and and say you can call bullshit, or you can go ahead and take a look at the uh, transact the the transactions that are there. Um, I think to to take it to another level, uh, you you don't want to have you, you you have to give other people access to what would be a more private uh, uh, blockchain, which uh, you know allows the uh, the looking of uh, uh, the the lookup of the data that's actually referenced. Now, who's who's involved in seeing that? I mean, obviously, we want to have the patients have access to their information at all times. Um, but bringing other folks and connecting other folks, uh, I it, I have to be realistic that there's going to be some situations that uh, it just makes no sense. You know, we may need to work with, and I just I just spoke with a group uh, a couple of days ago that has a service center in uh, you know offshore that if a patient wants a uh, their medical records, they just sign some paperwork and the, these people will go ahead uh, or this, this company goes ahead and has people contact the hospital, the doctors, all the hospitals, all the doctors, uh, all the laboratories, all the pharmacies with all the appropriate documentation and collect all that information. Now, it's all coming back in multiple types of formats. So being realistic, we're not going to see, you know, HL7 or FHIR or whatever you want to call it, connections between all these groups. We're going to get it in PDF files, we're going to get it in faxes. Um, so we're going to deal with that. And, you know, so in some cases, we'll connect with groups like that and the uh, and, and identify when the documents come in. In some cases, this group, for instance, may not even work, be, be working with a uh, or they may, they may contact a hospital and the, they might contact them 10 times with a request and the hospital never uh, provides uh, the information. Well, we're going to go ahead and document all the requests and all the transactions and whether or not uh, the information came in. But at some point in time, we might all of a sudden find ourselves having to reference uh, a hundred or or five hundred page medical record file that came from multiple sources. Now, what we end up doing in that file uh, at another uh, at another date and time would be to apply some, you know, whether you call it sophisticated OCR techniques or we would call it machine learning uh, to go ahead and grab all that unstructured data and put it into a format that might be much more usable for the patient and pa not only the patient, but you have to realize a lot of patients, they don't know what the hell to do with their records. So it's got to be in a format that's also usable for the patient's family or, uh, you know, the patient's friends to, that, that will also have access to help that patient along. And I think that's, uh, uh, you know, anyone that, you know, sits there and always focuses on a patient has to realize that there's a lot of patients that well, I talk to some people. It's like, you know, why do I want to look at this, re this record? That's what I go to the doctor for. And I've said that I've said, well, OK, you so you just went to the doctor. You met the doctor uh, seven minutes and you putting all this trust in the doctor for your uh, medical decisions. So, yeah, they went to medical school and, you know, and I'm going to trust what he or she has to say. So it's a. Uh, it, the quite it's complicated and you know frankly I want to go ahead and uh, make it work in, in in a couple of specific scenarios and I know we're gonna to have to expand uh, uh, you know some of the interactions so, and some of them uh, the, the types of requests that can come in you know you have to validate the identity of the patient now we have to validate the identity of uh, a family member or a relative that they are have the proper consents to access a, that particular patient's record it's uh, 
there's a lot there. Yeah, and that's interesting. You said there's a lot there too. So you were talking about how you're going to take PDFs and faxes and use OCR for the audience. OCR is just optical character recognition. Yeah. So it reads the characters and it translates that into digital text. When we talk about the patient, you know, everyone has this image of like, you know, this, you know, uh, of, of, of a person in the center of this patient right. centric so patients don't... universe. And the, it's in many cases, you're dealing with patients that don't know what the heck to do with their information. Yeah, now, absolutely. So, and, and, I, and obviously, so, we've got about 10% of the country right. about... Uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I just want to say, so you're, you're right. All patients are not ready to own their own data. They either they don't want to, they're not capable of doing it, uh, they're just you know busy, or they just feel like the doctor is just more appropriate. So you're right. So I think that's more of a cultural shift that the patient has to go through. A lot of patients, whether they're not used to technology or they just don't want to be responsible for their own health. Uh, and also, it, it feels like they're not because the people that pay for their health care is usually Medicare or maybe their insurance company. So they're yep. like, it's distancing themselves from the actual process of working with, um, you know, owning that data. So I think there is going to be a shift in the way we see data and information in our own healthcare too. And uh, I think that's starting to happen. People are demanding that they can, you know, have their own records and patient portals are, you know, they've been promised to help, but, you know, obviously still not very good. Yeah, I'd still go back to that Accenture uh, uh, survey. Only 2% of patient portals are are seeing utilization. And, you know, that was, that was from 2016. Hopefully it's better. Uh, I mean, I you know, when when for instance, when Apple made their big uh, you know discuss, uh, discussion about you know that they've got the medical records, they listed one of the hospitals that frankly I would, uh, I was treated at a, uh, a few years ago, and I wanted to make a connection. I contacted people that I know there, and they said, no, we don't know how to do that. I mean, it, it's it, it you know so there was a bunch of things that were that, that are going on. People are making you know announcements maybe before they really should be making announcements, or it's not real, or the communication's not good. Or when I would go to the website of the hospital, I couldn't even find. And this is I haven't checked it today, but uh, I couldn't even find uh, you know the information that told me about the process about how to get my records, uh, let alone the first case to validate that I'm a, I'm a person that, sh that should be allowed to request those records. Yeah, and that's, very, that's a good point, too. There's a lot of announcements that are being made, uh, people saying, oh, we're piloting this blockchain project, uh, major names, the FDA, huge health systems, health plans. But in reality, we don't really know what's going on or how much effort is putting into being put into this or when it'll actually be live in production. And that's, it's not a terrible thing because it's getting the word it's out okay. there. It's we're going to get to that FedEx moment and, yeah. you know, it, 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 it's fine. You have to go ahead and, you know, put out some some signals, even if there's just smoke signals to get other people to work together. Because the, 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 the thing that I will I don't want to see happen and I fear that we might if we don't do this right is we're going to go ahead and screw this up and have a bunch of different applications running on cryptographically secure blockchains. And we're going to have silos that are. Uh, much uh, that, that are more uh, entrenched than the than the silos we have today, and it's uh, uh, people, and that's uh, that's why we're we took a very specific look at making sure that if we're working with on EOS, we want to make sure that we can communicate with um, with Ethereum.
Okay. So I, I never really got a clear answer on how the data will be managed and the network will operate. So there's going to be different nodes for the clinical blockchain or your system. Like how is the, where is the data stored? How is it kept secure? Right, right now, right now we're uh, we're storing everything on AWS. I mean, it's uh, okay. you know we're they've got their, their systems because you know whenever you talk with a client, they're saying, okay, who you work with, what's uh, uh, you know, is it HIPAA compliant? Right. So you know what, it, 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 uh, and you know, frankly, I, I, it makes perfect sense. But all we have to do is present, you know, here, here's here's Amazon's HIPAA document, and this is what they're doing, and you know, and any and, and any CISO or CIO or or you know, person that's uh, uh, you know, going through the, uh, you know, the specifics of, uh, uh, of what the plan is. I mean, it, it helps, it helps make it easier because those documents frankly are requested. So why I still don't understand then why you need a blockchain is that sounds just like a, a database that you have. Well, well the, the block, the block, the, yeah, the blockchain, we're recording, we're referencing the transaction and we're referencing the, the site where the data is located in a hash. That's, for us, oh, okay. the, the blockchain is is being utilized primarily as 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 I said for transparency. You, I would look at that as an audit trail of what we're doing. You want, and you know, we're going to record what we're doing, whether it's good, bad, or in between. And you know, so yes, there's I, I, out of our entire application, frankly, only about I'd say two percent of the code has anything to do with blockchain. The rest of it's all straightforward blocking and tackling you know that's the thing that drives me crazy about you know when people start going blockchain 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 you know blockchain is 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 like um to me it's a a tool another uh, another arrow in the quiver i mean the quiver has multiple arrows in it it's not just the blockchain now people can there's areas and reasons why not to use a blockchain and those and those make perfect sense to me as well. I can, like I said, I can argue by both sides. But um, you know, for, for us, the ability to make sure that because um, yeah, let's 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 say we didn't have that the, the connection with blockchain. Well, I, I would have this discussion with you uh, and say it's it's on AWS, and I'm not going to, and you have no idea what's going on. Mm -hmm. Instead, I'm giving you a, a giving you when I say you, I'm meaning all anyone, anyone that wants users. to see. Right. I'm giving you a view into what we're doing uh, from a business perspective, obviously and we're picking what we want to show you, but we think it's important. You know, it's our transactions. Every transaction that, that will run through the business is going to be identified as in an audit trail and referenced to a database. Now, right. you know, that, that type of insight is the type of transparency that frankly people don't get. Right. When you said, you know, you're picking which data you want to, show that means you're picking the types of data you want to show but once that's decided on all of that information is put on the blockchain well not it's it's referenced on the blockchain referenced now whether or not you can actually see the detail that's a whole different story that's those that's rights uh and consent management things of that nature you know but but the the goal is to actually to be able to represent something uh, and when I say something, it's at the transaction level to say this event happened at this particular point in time. Uh, that and and for us, you know, the charge for an MRI was five thousand dollars. Now, whether or not we reference the city location is up to us, uh, and 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 the and the owner of the data, or whether whether or not we want to uh, reference additional information is certainly uh, something that uh, when I say reference, 
uh, represent on the blockchain uh, that inform additional information is completely up to uh, uh, to us and, and the owners of the data. But we don't want to give too much information out because, frankly, we feel like, uh, you know, there could definitely be some privacy issues that show up. And people bring that up all the time, unfortunately. And we're fortunately it's uh, uh, I think I think pri even the term privacy or the thought privacy is being redefined in our uh, in our country today. I mean, I don't know about you. Did you do a 23 and me? I did a 23 and me about six or seven years ago. Wow. You were early, really early adopter. Well, I thought. This is going to be the thing in the future. Yeah, no, you're right. That's uh, that's that's phenomenal. But think about it. You went ahead and put your most private information mm -hmm. and gave it to a company that's now monetizing it, et cetera, et cetera. And you know, you're uh, and and you paid to have that done. So yeah, at the time, know, it was actually there was quite a deal. I got a pretty good deal at the time. It's more expensive now, you believe it or not, because they. It, I actually, you know what? I see prices all over the place. Actually, it's uh, you know, I thought it was like ninety nine dollars, and I saw prices all over the place. That it's it's a lot different than that. Well, no, they also charge more if you want to do the you know have the full, re all the reports about your DNA, not really? your genotype. Um, right now, if you want just your genealogy, they'll give you that for like ninety nine bucks. I think it's like two hundred for the full reports. Um, at the time, I paid ninety nine dollars for everything for the full reports again oh, this exactly. is just genotyping so this is not like full exome you know um genomic sequencing it's very different it's not as detailed uh, it's still useful information but you know there are companies that are doing whole genome uh sequencing and there's a company i interviewed uh, Gen nebula genomics i've, I've, I've seen their yeah I've, I've seen information on them yeah so they're they're a company that's putting that information whole genome sequencing on the blockchain private with you as the owner and not anybody else. And yeah, I, I, I met with a guy, his name's Daniel Aribi, uh, at, at another IEEE thing uh, that was here in uh, uh, in Philadelphia a couple months ago. And they have a very specific focus on uh, the Hispanic market. And, you know, and it, I, I ended up getting pretty much, you know, one of the things we talked about, I'm, I was very surprised, you know, they, they said that there's, uh, you know, one of, one of the popular drugs that uh, I, I think it's uh, I don't want to say the incorrect one, but it was it, it manages uh, LDL and HDL and uh, uh, yeah, I think it may be that one. And uh, there's another one. But the point is, there's like 16 million Hispanics that that drug does not work with because of a genetic uh, a, a genetic uh, uh, issue that occurs and or issue conflict, however you want to do it. So the drug is basically useless in those cases. And a lot of these folks may not even know about, uh, about this. And, and I, I'm thinking to myself, wow, you know, you've got, you've got a ma major pharmaceutical company with this blockbuster drug and they didn't, they haven't even checked with, uh, with a particular, uh, community to uh, say, look, if you're in this type of situation uh, or, or you have this ancestry, uh, this drug may not work on you. And it's uh, uh, there, there's definitely a lot there. And I, uh, I uh, and, and I believe and I forgot the name of Daniel's company, but yeah, he's he's also uh, make having it go uh, uh, the data uh, recorded or referenced on a blockchain as well. Very interesting. So let's talk about regulation, HIPAA, like all these things. How is it affecting the decisions you're making at your business? 
HIPAA, GDPR, uh, it just makes everything really confusing. You've got to, I mean, for the uh, for the HIPAA side, you really, you have to follow the rules. You know, for us, we're, since we're working uh, as, as an advocate for a patient, uh, sometimes we're getting some additional medical information. We're talking with the doctors about a patient's condition. We have to have the HIPAA form signed uh, by the patient. Uh, we, we're doing an e-signature as well as doing it the old-fashioned way. Uh, we're just taking a signature and getting an image of the uh, of the patient's signature. Um, but it, it, it's something we have to do. And I, I can I can go on for you know way too long about the problems with HIPAA right now. But you know it is what it is, and let's go ahead and work with it. I think you know an issue that becomes even more interesting is what's going on with uh, in the EU with uh, the GDPR. And you know there's some there's we're dealing with you know a lot of people talk about the privacy aspects of the GD, of GDPR you know right to be forgotten the problems with even identifying you know a a person's sex on a blockchain because that may that may change if someone transitions and how do you go ahead and and switch that up so you, you know there's companies working with blockchains that right off, right now they could be breaking the law i mean you know in, in as far as the european governments are concerned i think you know nobody's uh, shutting people down or finding people, you know, billions of dollars yet, but you know, it's going to have to be uh, addressed. But I think one of the one of the more interesting aspects of GDPR is the access components uh, that you know, mandate within 72 hours of a patient request or someone requests that information be provided that it be provided in a machine readable format. Now, machine readable, you know, the people I've talked to means guess what? It's going to be a PDF. But, you know, if you're a, uh, an American and, and you travel to an EU country and you receive health care because of an accident or sickness or whatever in that EU country, you can request all of your information uh, be delivered to you uh, within 72 hours from that organization. Or if you had, you know, you can even go to people have said to me that you can go even to a granular level. If you had, you know, some type of a monitor that was used, uh, uh, you know, for, uh, for uh, you can, you can ask the maker of that machine for a machine readable version of, uh, of your result. And, you know, I, I, that's, that becomes mind boggling because now all of a sudden we're going to have, you know, billions of pieces of data suddenly available that need to be matched to patients or uh, and 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 reports in, in frankly PDF files and it 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 could be um, it could frankly it could be a nightmare but I guess you know for companies like us you know that might be an opportunity uh, in the not too dis distant future. Interesting. Um, very cool. I'm kind of get get into some philosophical questions. I've got a minor in philosophy. I, I don't know if you want to wor open up that can of worms, but go ahead. Uh, so if you had to have a microchip implanted in your body, where would you want it to be implanted? Wow. Uh, probably sticking in my ass. <laughs> no, I mean, just, just so that way people have to go down and read the RF code. I mean, if it's one of those, you know, if they have to get, if they have to go, if they can read it from different directions, I don't know. I would say whatever, 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 uh, you know, hurts the least. I'm, I'm going to be, I, I'm going to be very, very, uh, most people go for like the wrist or maybe like, uh, on the thigh or something, you know, where there's uh, a lot they, of, like, wait, someone wants, I mean, if someone wants to read my medical record, guess what? They're going to have to get up, up close and personal. 
Well, your GI is going to make it. He's going to be able to do it pretty easily. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, that that must have been that must have been one of the easier ones, right? That's I don't know. really who would who'd want to put it on a wrist? You you don't have that much skin and stuff like that, you know. It, or they put it actually in between your your two fingers, like right right in there. Oh, uh, right there. Between the index finger and the middle. Yeah, finger. That's, you know that, that that's a pretty small. Or chip. actually, I was thinking, between the I was, thumb, between the thumb and the pointer finger. Oh uh, yeah, there's definitely there's a lot of there's a lot of web in there. Okay, yeah, I, exactly. I, that works. Yeah. Um. Interesting. What are your thoughts about the singularity that's supposed to happen, like sometime in twenty forty five? Put this way, I think I, the, I think the moment already happened. At least to tell us it's going to happen when when that uh, move thirty seven and go occurred, and everybody was like, you know, this the, the computer made a mistake. You know, Google's you know deep whatever deep mind or whatever it's called. Um, uh, you know, it, it totally yeah. screwed up and blah 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 and. Then next thing you know, is like all the humans, all the experts, we had no idea that there was a bigger plan there. So, you know, I think, you know, I think that moment is basically the day that that, that told us that we don't know what the fuck we're talking about. And in reality, you know, I could say, you know, all kinds of thoughts. But, you know, I, I, I did a I did a, a hackathon about two months ago over at Accenture. Uh, with uh, with a group that was uh, sponsored by it was an AI hackathon. We actually, I was put put in a group, and I'm more of the business guy. You know, had had a couple of ideas, and we, uh, uh, you know, we we had we, our our hack was to take a set of dermatology files uh, or images that showed cancers or and and, and what weren't cancers. So we could it was like sixteen thousand images. Uh, it was loaded. It was on Amazon. It was an Amazon instance. A couple instances were loaded. And what we ended up what we ended up doing, we were processing that. And the, one of the most depressing parts of the entire, uh, you know, uh, exercise was that we just sat there waiting for the processing. It wasn't like you had no idea. There wasn't a bar saying, you know, we're almost done or whatever. Like shit was happening mm -hmm. and nobody knew what was happening. I, these real smart programmers that set this up. We actually, we did, we, we created an, uh, created an application that, you know, uh, uh, that would, could you take a picture of a, uh, uh, of, of a, uh, of a pimple or a, uh, a freckle or whatever it is. And it would tell by like 72% of the time, whether or not it was cancer or not. You know, we added, I, you know, I said, look, we're not going to break any, you know, new ground here, especially in the 24 hour hackathon, let's at least go ahead and, you know, deal with some fundamental problems. And, you know, I, I, I kind of came up with the idea that, you know, you know, when, when we look in the mirror, we only see our front. What about what's going on on our back and stuff like that? And what if we found a way to engage kids uh, to go ahead and say, maybe you're on the beach and you, and, and you have your kids or your grandkids take a picture of like these different you know, freckles on your back and then allow the child to say, does it look like a, a chicken wing? Does it look like a, a rooster? And hmm. get them engaged on that. And at the same time, you can, you know, uh, maybe uh, uh, diagnose or analyze a part of your body. But the, 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 the what I took out of that hackathon was just very, very specific in identifying that uh, it's really a pain in the ass loading these lo loading these uh and training these uh these machine learning algorithms and you know even companies that are uh, and, and you, nobody knows what the fuck's going on and even companies that know what's going on about 80 percent of the time 80 percent of the code that's written these machine learning algorithms are useless uh i was talking the, the group i was talking to uh it's about 
uh, about a month or so ago, uh, people from IQVIA, and, and they have a monster uh, machine learning uh, group uh, that's that's right now, and it's and they're just growing it uh, uh, by leaps and bounds. But you know, they just sat there, you know, saying, "Look, eighty percent of the time, all the work we do." basically sucks and it's, and, and it's worthless. So the fact that we don't know what's going on inside that box and we didn't see what was going on with move 37 says, you know what? We're screwed. What do you think about Bitcoin? Oh, I hate the cryptocurrencies, but I love the cryptocurrencies. Uh, you're, you're talking to, you're talking to a guy that bought Ethereum at like $2 and 89 cents and sold it at around $12. So, you know, I thought I was a genius at the time, but obviously, what do I know? I, I'm just going to leave it at that. Got a huddle, I'm, man. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell actually what what drive what is really crazy about uh, the cryptos and Bitcoin in particular, Ethereum as well. Um, I I just I, the power of people's perceptions and beliefs to just without necessarily having a standing army or air force that can, well, that's you know, a great point. A lot of people is, yeah. you know, is, is really impressive. You know, it's like, you know, you, especially you see these dives, you know, from 20,000, almost 20,000 to, you know, whatever, three or 4,000 you know, or less. And then it's bouncing back up. Uh, I just, uh, it, I think it's I, part of it. You know, obviously you've got people trying to game the system and you know, I've had people say, oh, you've got to go ahead and start trading Bitcoin. I said, I don't want to do that, period. You know, but, uh, you know, there are people that actually believe in something that doesn't exist uh, or exists only in bits and bytes. Right. I mean, people argue that what is the dollar? People, it's a piece of paper or it's just digital money that's be, like being sent over banks. It's not really anything. The issue with these dollars us dollars or any fiat money is it could be printed it could be printed by the central <clears> banks <throat> but the thing that you mentioned is these central banks and these uh, fiat money they're backed by an army they are backed by a force force that can come into play at command of you know our commander-in-chief so i think that's a big difference and that's a huge threat to bitcoin and cryptocurrencies is the I fact think, that there is no it's just backed by the code and it is scarce but you know the the thing is and i guess i guess when you know elon musk finally gets his uh constellation of sixteen thousand satellites out there you know we'll have to trust elon uh on this but you know you, you still have the situation that i could have all the bitcoin in the world and if my if my verizon or my comcast gets shut down i'm shit out of luck you know, it's uh, and so you know when you talk about well, you, you know, we talk about fiat, and you know I've had people come at come at it and try and minimize that argument. But man, you know, if you've had your uh, you know you had your Wi-Fi shut off, you start to lose your mind. And if if it also affected you know my pocketbook in a major way, that's a that would be a concern. Right, but I mean, you can argue that if your Wi-Fi was shut off or four G just broke, you couldn't access your electronic financial accounts either you can't go on to your e-trade yeah or... but i can go to the bricks and mortar td bank up the street and say give me my freaking money well they can't do anything either because they can't check your account because they need depend on computers and internet as well, well so you're your saying, argument oh, there i think is false <laughs> yeah, my, my... I, I'm, I'm saying i'm saying and what i'm saying what if we were more like china where we went ahead and the chinese blocked sure certain people but not the, not the government institutions that they want you to actually trust 
Well, so, they can't really necessarily block them, uh, you know, Chinese citizens from using Bitcoin as as long as there's an yeah, internet. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, that, there's the, there's, there's VPNs there, that you can I'm, access. The hard part is is actually onboarding and changing your you know Chinese oh, well, yuan well, onto. Onboarding is always. Uh, I mean, that's the hard part. Yeah, but once we're in this new economy, I mean, the idea is once we're in this new crypto economy, it's, it's pretty much a uh, force you can't really stop. And you can have paper wallets, too. So you don't necessarily even have to um, make the transaction over the Internet initially. You can have it I, I, offline. Well, I mean, I, I, we talk about Bitcoin. I think the thing that I'm most interested in, in the tie ins and I, and I think it's it could be very, very interesting for healthcare, I think is the, the, the what uh, the model of the Brave Browser and the Basic Attention Token. That's actually something. I I think there's an opportunity, and I don't think anybody's jumped in on it yet. But I think there's an opportunity to create a browser plugin that would that, that would be uh, much more open than saying, "Okay, we want you to develop blockchain applications." If if a if a doctor or a patient or someone wanted to identify, uh, you know the uh, you know that they wanted to go ahead and research information. They could get paid nonstop, receiving ads. Uh, you know, and it, it could be targeted. And also at the same time, one of the th- situations, and, and this came up with uh, in the in a Pew study, where fifty to sixty percent of the searches for a medical condition are not uh, identified by the patient themselves. What they are identified by those uh, they're identified they're created by the friends or family of the patient. So, you know, when the pharma company starts firing off targeted ads and things of that nature, they think that it's they're hitting the patient, but they're they're not necessarily hitting the patient at all. Uh, so that targeting may not be that good. And I'm going to tell you, I, I mean, I've watched the algorithms go uh, go from bad to worse to maybe a little bit better. You know, there was, I remember it was kind of crazy. This was probably around 2012, 2013. Some algorithms changed. My name's Ed, okay? Edward Ed, okay? But I started getting every fucking ED ad you could possibly imagine from Cialis and Viagra because these algorithms were reading about my name. And then all of a sudden I'm getting all this, all this crap coming in that's and, amazing and, yeah i know and i'm <laughs> and like well, I'm, ed, yeah i was like uh, at first i thought people were punking me or whatever you know you know i got i got lots of friends but i had a couple people a few people that hate me too so i thought maybe that was happening i found out that they made a switch and now all of a sudden i'm getting all these freaking ads so uh i i the 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 way uh you identify a patient I think is is very uh, is very important, and to identify, like I said uh, early on, the zero knowledge proof. If you're able to identify, okay, this person has these conditions, and we're gonna just that's it, okay, and it just happens to be attached to some masked IP address, or maybe we don't even have that information at all. Then you can begin to have a conversation with that person, or allow them to do certain things. Uh, you know, one of the an ask, a project that I've uh, been kind of working on. It's been uh, you know it's back burner, but it's kind of it's, uh, a friend of mine starting to take uh, a little bit more uh, ownership to make it front burner. Is the ability of opening up uh, publishing platforms, you know, and breaking down paywalls. I I spoke with a do- with a doctor who uh, you know said, look, I'm I got these patients. I uh, you know, as a radiation oncologist, I got these patients that, you know, I'm putting, 
chemotherapy into their arms and you know they're they're i can't really talk with them when they come visit me but you know when they go home they want to look at that information and it turns out they run into a paywall from springer verlog or uh or whatever they're called now uh, springer or, or elsevier oh yeah uh, you mean to read the articles and, the- you know the, the patient that you know has brain uh, brain tumor uh uh or or whatever the case may be they can't even access the most up-to-date information uh, uh about their condition I think the ability to say, look, I think this is a very humane, it's a compassionate argument to say every patient that, uh, you know, wants to research or find more information about the drugs that are being put in their body or the condition that they have, they should have access uh, unfettered by uh, paywalls. And I think there's something that uh, that we can bring to the table or that a blockchain technology can bring to the table to actually uh, make this happen um, uh, yeah. in a way that uh, makes sense and frankly helps people out. So there are companies doing that, multiple companies doing that. Um, one one that comes to mind that I think is doing a great job so far is Science Distributed. I, that's Sean Mannion, exactly. Yeah. I, that, that's uh, I, I think that's uh, that's phenomenal. I, I haven't seen uh, is the product available. Well, I haven't talked with Sean so, in, uh, in a little while. Great question. I would love to have him on the show. I don't know. Yeah, oh, Sean's fucking phenomenal, man. I, uh, he, well, did you, uh, he was down in uh, in Nashville also. Yeah, I have to reach back out to him. Yeah, right, if if you ever see him or talk to him, I'm gonna I'm gonna him. I'm gonna text him in a couple minutes. Perfect, excellent. Tell him to come on my show. <laughs> I, I'm I am. This is uh, you know I can't believe I got dressed up and I pulled the banner out, but you know I I uh, that was my bad. I didn't I didn't check out. Uh, I have the video you know, saved. I'm just I extract only the audio, so maybe I'll use part of the video for like a promotional well, I'm, thing. I, I might you know what I might do? I might I might go ahead and uh, have you send me a thumb drive of it, and uh, and I'll have uh, one of my friends uh, you know uh, make me look a little bit better than I do. You're doing fine, but you know me like I said. You know, my my mother always said I got a face made for radio anyway. No, you look great, man. That's same here. <laughs> Anyways, uh, but that's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. I think we've covered a lot of ground today. We, we covered a whole lot. A lot of stuff here. Is there anything else you feel like I missed or we should like cover so our audience has a better idea of what's going on? What's your predictions? Like what when is all of this going to happen coming to fruition? You've been around for like many years in the space, so you know how things are slow, especially in healthcare. So, what are your predictions? And I think you know what I think. I think the only way that this is going to happen or change up in a big way, uh, we saw what happened with regulation. We saw and uh, and uh, and changing the law, like the Affordable Care Act. I think some of the things that is happening at uh, CMS with. Uh, uh, with Verma and uh, man, it was a, a real sad to see uh, uh, Gottlieb go from the FDA. I think I think there's a push there uh, to really make these this electronic medical the, 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 this, these records available, more patients getting involved. Um, and I think whether it's a big piece of regulation or something a little bit small that just creates you know the necessity for uh for more transparency i think that will be a, a a an event that is significant now what's occurring with the supply chain situation the drug and, and food safety um uh, act that was passed, passed by congress uh which goes into effect frankly in 2023 seeing a lot of folks really you know pharmas and and other groups really looking at that uh as being a uh an area for 
uh, you know, for expansion uh, and, and, and an opportunity, obviously, for blockchain. I think I, 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 think I talk, talked to you about this uh, on our telephone call. I think we're going to see some interesting things that we've never seen or heard from heard of before, where patients are actually utilizing uh, the equivalent of surveillance or, or taking video of their visits and having that information being parsed out in one way, shape or form. I think institutions might be able to use that same uh, AI applied to uh, surveillance technology to see and obviously did, you know, picked up a stethoscope or if blood pressure was checked. And you could go down just by virtue of the video inputs and select a whole series of uh, of events that may be looked at as quality indicators that, uh, you know, without even going ahead and, and uh, registering it into an EMR, it's automatically picked up. And right now, you know, think about, you know, what hospital uh, legal hospital attorney or uh, counsel is going to recommend that type of thing happening. You know, probably not a lot right now, but I think we're going to see some changes occurring where, you know, the dynamic of the uh, of the patient uh, slash physician relationship starts to rebalance itself in one way, shape or form. And I think blockchain is going to be a mechanism that makes that happen along with uh, along with AI. And, you know, the, the, the situation that you know, I think is uh, we mentioned deep fakes, but we talk about you know the AI as it's applied to uh, uh, various types of institutions. If in Philadelphia, I've got University of Pennsylvania, I've got Thomas Jefferson University Hospital, I've got Hahnemann. Every one of those groups are going to put in an AI type of function to analyze uh, a patient chart, let's say, and the patient's going to receive an encyclopedic version and and re uh, analysis of that chart. But in every case, think about it. University of Pennsylvania is going to ultimately say, guess what? You should stay or keep coming to University of Pennsylvania. Jefferson is going to come up with their own biased AI that says come to Jefferson. And if you're a Cooper, they're going to say, yeah, come to Cooper. You don't need to go to Philadelphia. So I think blockchain could also create some type of an anonymity that would help remedy the conflicts that uh, that occur with, um, you know, AI biases as they relate to uh, uh, an analytical component from, uh, uh, you know, from a healthcare document or chart. Right. The incentives can be altered uh, with using blockchain because the business models can all be changed. Yeah. So that's an important aspect, too. I think another thing that we didn't talk about that is going to be impactful also is telemedicine. So the ability to see a patient have a visit with a, you know, provider virtually anywhere. And then you have that information. Uh, Actually, you know what? If you really want to change this system, Man, may allow, allow allow people outside of the United States that have the creden- proper credentials to go ahead and um, and and prescribe a medication. People are going to do televisits for three dollars, and you know you will have a market. There's a lot of people that be uh, could be harmed by that, but it's uh, you know once again, in order to make that happen, you still have to go and change some of the regulations and change some of the laws. I mean, you've got. Uh, state medical associations basically trying to uh, prevent, you know, unlicensed doctors that are not licensed in the state from practicing in the state. And there's, oh, yeah. and we have not seen federal regulation yet passed to make, to basically take that away. Um, I don't think and, that's and, happening. So there's, yeah, I have, what, yeah, what is, what, yeah, what is the status? When is that going to happen? Cause that so could be a game changer. I asked too. this great question. I asked this specific question in my last interview. Um, Episode thirty-three, okay. with uh, 
John Hardigan, and he's building out a platform using Hashgraph actually to help providers manage their career credentialing documents and then also help facilities to access that and share that information and ask that question to him directly and he said probably not going to happen anytime soon he's from texas texas would be jamie edwards uh he's got he's doing i think he said at the time this might have been a couple years ago jamie edwards yeah jamie edwards um he's he's got uh it's uh, uh his company uh uh, in, in out in LA, I'll send you information on it. But uh, he's doing like seventy thousand uh, telemedicine visits a month. Uh, he he also has groups come in because you know what if you're dealing with a Hispanic uh, population, you, he's got groups that help in the translation so that uh, you know uh, so so that becomes a little bit easier as well. Uh, and he's very very tied into what's occurring in. Uh, uh, in, in the telehealth field. And I think, you know, the potential to move those move records around and, 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 and extract the data from some of the bricks and mortar sites and make it available on a, uh, uh, a, a referenced on a blockchain, I think allows a person to decide whether or not they go to one telemed provider or telehealth provider versus another, just like a person can make a decision, I'm going to go to Target versus Walmart. Uh, today right. without worrying, you know, guess what? I've got my wallet with me either way. So I don't have to go ahead and request my records to be sent to one uh, provider or another. I can go ahead and make those decisions, you know, pretty much uh, uh, interchangeably. I think one of the aspects, you know, in the future, we might see a care continuum right now or a coordination of care, which might say follow along a pathway at this particular facility and this is these are the steps you have to take. We might see that type of pathway be interconnected with other facilities because some groups might do the cost of the MRI or the cost of a procedure might be lower in one group versus another. And I think the, also the potential of opening it up to, as I say, offshore. Uh, if a person, if we identify that someone, uh, you know, uh, in, in clinical blockchain, we've identified uh, a hip issue. Uh, which may indicate a hip replacement. Well, there might be folks, you know, in Thailand, the Philippines, or uh, uh, or India that says that that are uh, that are hospitals and facilities that are uh, comply with JCOH uh, here in the U.S. that uh, you know have uh, have a history of being very very uh, good at addressing those uh, conditions. And those folks might be sitting there saying, you know what? Uh, why don't you come over here to Thailand? We'll do the hip uh, uh, surgery for you. Uh, hip replacement surgery. And you know what? You can go ahead and lay on a beach as you recover. Right. And at the same time, I don't know about, you know, whether or not it's going to affect the wound and there's sand on the beach, but, you yeah, know, that's yeah. a whole different issue. Yeah. But the point is, and you'll save 40% of the cost of the surgery. And we're seeing Walmart right now uh, create right. that type of a scenario uh, that allows that Walmart employees to go from uh, one hospital to another or one location and they're going to transport people in the U.S. Now, that's Walmart trying to make a decision for a patient as far as a plan. What about the patient perspective, allowing the patient to tell Walmart, look, this is kind of, I, thank you for sending me to Flagstaff, Arizona, but you know what? I can go to Phuket, uh, you know, uh, and uh, in Thailand and, uh, and, and basically, you know, have the same thing done. I don't know if they have a hospital there, but, you know, right. that medical tourism is growing by about 22% per year. It's crazy. Yeah, and I think that's another good point. That's you know a trend that we're seeing uh, in the space. 
And I just looked up Jamie Edwards, actually CEO, co-founder of Cloudbreak Health, and they're using yes. Yeah, that's, I, I, he's just, yeah, I think he's that's a good for the audience he to know what's going on. Probably one of the first pre people uh, uh, I reached out to. And he also has, uh, you know, takes a look at things kind of from an investment banker point of view as well. So, I, I, you know, follow the money. Well, there's a guy that's right. following the money and, you know, has has definitely built a very, very successful business based on, you know, uh, making sure patients are put up front. Uh, but he, mm-hmm. he he's very analytical and uh, uh, he actually looked at one of my first white papers a while back and, you know, had a number of very, very good comments uh, before I sent it to uh, the ONC uh, back when they had their blockchain challenge. Ed, it's been so much fun talking to you. Thank you so much for getting on the show. I'm, you know, looking forward to staying in touch with you and hoping Absolutely. that you know we can do this again another well, I'm gonna, day. Listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna text Sean Mannion right now. Say I just had a real great call with you. Make sure he gets on, uh, hooks you up. And like I said, Jamie Edwards. There's some other folks. Uh, Sharice Maynard is phenomenal. She's she's actually a person that uh, I've done a, a few presentations with, uh, and you know she's got some you know dynamite thoughts on. Uh, uh, where blockchain is going to go, and you know she's been working, she's working on some real-world solutions, uh, you know, and and their application in public health as well. Hey, y'all, you cyberpunk health warriors and nimble digital disruptors, check out healthunchained.org, and remember to subscribe to Health Unchained on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, and iTunes. Join the Health Unchained community on our Telegram group t.me slash health unchained if you enjoyed this episode tell your friends your bosses your teams your students to listen and subscribe thank you